Well, let's start this morning with the amazing story of Brenda Fultz. You kind of have to hear it to believe it here, what happened. She was taking a, a mountain climbing session with some friends. She was not that experienced as a mountain climber. And while she was on the mountain, about 200 feet above the ground and about 100 feet from the cliff above her, she grabbed hold of the ledge of the, the side of this mountain to, to take a break. And when she did that, the safety harness, one of them snapped and it smacked her in the face, knocked her contact lens out. So again, she's 200 feet off the ground, and now she's been hit in the face. She can't see, starting to cry, and she's frightened. And what happened next is just a stunning thing. You know, Frederick Buchner put it well, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. As we look at some things today about the hunger in the world and our life in Christ and how our life in Christ can meet some of those needs in other people's lives, you know, we'll see some examples from Paul and Peter how to make that a reality starting today by maybe making some adjustments and being inspired by people and some of the stories I'll share today and being able to see, you know, what happens when somebody lives in Christ, and that life in Christ meets the world's deep hunger in a very special way. Consider Liz Bahannon. You know, she went with some friends to Uganda, and while she was there, she saw, you know, poverty, the need for education, the need for clean water, and she wanted to do something about that. And so she went to Uganda, spent some time there as a journalist, but things changed one day for her when there was an accident in front of her. A man crossing the road was hit by a car. And she ran over to help, and she realized she didn't have any skills to help this man. In fact, she said, I was in the way, and other people came over, moved me out of the way, and I just sat there feeling completely helpless. And she said, I wanted to do something in this country, and now I realized I had nothing really to offer. And so I said to one of my friends in Uganda, I don't know that I can help. And they said, listen, go back home and do something you can do. And when you do that, raise money and send that back to organizations here that are making a difference. And so Liz Bohannon said, you know, she understood the shoe industry. And so she went back to the U.S. and she's made a very successful company. And she does donate things to Uganda to help improve the situation for people there in need. But she has another, another amazing story I'll come back to here in just a moment. But Tony Robbins, he said it so well. Life is so much kinder than the stories we tell ourselves. Life is so much kinder than the stories we tell ourselves. The stories such as, you know, I could never do that, or my past mistake prohibits me from moving forward, or nobody would believe in me, whatever it might be. And hopefully some of those stories change here today when we see, uh, again, examples from Scripture, from other, other people's lives, and know that experience in, in your life and in my life can be a reality today. So let's start with Peter 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Peter says this, If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. They don't do it in their own strength, their own wisdom. You might be looking at things in the world today and say, I don't have any idea how to fix things. That's fine. You know, The idea here is it's not about your wisdom, my wisdom. It's about stepping forward into the world's deep hunger with the gift we have in Christ and trusting he'll give us the strength. He'll give us the wisdom. But we have to be faithful to say, you know, here I am, Lord, send me. So many people want all the answers to be in place before they, they step forward. 
And what Peter is saying here, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know what to do next. You just take that step and say, I trust by God's grace, he's going to give me the strength to do it. An incredible example of that, of course, is John Bunyan back in the 1600s. In England, he was arrested for preaching the gospel. At that time, you were to register with the state, and they told you what you could preach. And John Bunyan said, I'll have no strings on my message. I refuse to register with England. And he was told, if you don't register, you'll be arrested. He continued to preach. They threw him in a prison cell. Back home, he's got a daughter with epilepsy. He's got a wife he misses dearly. And what they did is they took the license for him to sign, put it right outside his jail cell. He could just reach out and sign, and they let him go. But again, he said, I, I won't be told what I can and can't preach. And so he sat in jail. And he sat in there for 12 years in prison. Incredible. But again, everything is done not in our strength. It's in God's strength. So what did John Bunyan do? He didn't give up in that prison. A lot of people would have given up and had despair. You know, he said, how can I use this to expand and grow and share the gospel even more? And while in prison, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. It's a story of, you know, it's a, a parable about this life in Christ, but it wasn't just a successful book. It is the second most read book in history next to the Bible. Incredible. So again, understanding that there are things in life that are taking place now and other things taking place maybe personally between you know your own situation. But in the end, we have to realize we do it in God's strength. It's not about having you know all the answers or even having you know necessarily the, the talent and the gifts to do something. It's stepping out in faith and saying, I, I believe that the world's need, my life in Christ, those two things meet together, and I want to do something to change other people's lives. Claudia Mueller did a, a fascinating study, and hopefully will maybe relieve some anxiety for some today, where she studied hundreds of fifth grade students. And what happened is they put you know one group as group A and another group, group B, and group one, once they completed a set of tests, they took a break before the second set of tests. In that first group, when they completed the first set of tests, they were told, you are very special, gifted, and smart. And so Claudia Mueller said, we praise their inherent talent. And then group two, when they finished their test, she said to them, you worked very hard and refused to give up. And she said, we praise their progress, their work ethic. So the first group is told you're very special and talented. The second group is you worked very hard. Well, here's what happened from that test. Group one, they, they were told you're so special, they were now afraid to fail. They actually asked, can we have an easier test for the second round? And when they took the second test, they performed you know, poorly on it. Why? Because they were so afraid of what people thought or so afraid of being discovered that they didn't have this inherent gift and talent. Group two, the ones that were praised for their hard work and making progress, they said, we want a more challenging test. They weren't afraid of failing, and they excelled at that second test. And what the study showed is that building a life of purpose and goals, it's not about inherent gifts. It's about your confidence, your mindset, your curiosity. So again, you don't have to have all the answers. Nobody has to. It's believing like Peter that says, there's a hunger in the world. God will give me the strength 
If I'm faithful to say, here I am, send me, rather than getting caught up in the scarcities and fears and doubts in the culture, but rather instead saying, I believe it's a time now to let a light shine even brighter. Someone once said, show me your friends, I will show you your future. We find that same thing throughout scripture. Romans 15, Paul says this, I'm persuaded of you, my brethren, you are full of goodness and able to admonish or teach one another. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future, whether that's a, a positive thing or a negative thing. Who we allow to influence our life. You know, Paul says, because of that goodness and knowledge in Christ, admonish one another or instruct one another. These are the type of friends that we each need in our life to, as iron sharpens iron, encourage us to go further and higher in Christ. That word, one another, it's found over a hundred times in the New Testament. It is the Greek word, alelon. And all throughout scripture, we're told how these relationships are to be built with one another, admonish one another, love one another, honor one another, care for one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, especially in times like this. Again, if anyone serves, Peter says, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So let's go back to Brenda Fultz's story. What happened, again, she's on this cliff. She's 200 feet from the ground. The, the safety rope, it breaks. And, you know, suddenly it hits her in the face. Now she's got this, you know, swelling in her face. Knocked her contact out. Her friends help her reach the top, but she says, now I'm miles from help. They're going to have to lead me. I can't see. I'm frightened. So what she does is she remembers a verse of scripture. And that verse is Second Chronicles. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And so she prayed this prayer. Lord, you can see all these mountains. You know every stone and leaf. You know exactly where my contact lens is. Please help me. So our friends, they find a trail to, to walk down, you know, again, to reach where they left their cars some, some ways away. They're several hundred feet up in this mountain. They're going to go down this steep trail. As they're walking down this trail and they're leading her, there's another group coming up the trail. And one of the men says, hey, did one of you lose a contact lens? And Brenda Fultz said, yes, I did. And he said, here it is. He said, you want to know how I found that contact lens? And she said, yes. And he said, I was stopped at this rock and crawling across this rock was an ant carrying that contact lens. Incredible. She went home and told the story to her father. You can find his cartoon online. He drew this cartoon of the event. The ant is carrying a contact lens and it says, Lord, I don't know why you want me to carry this thing. I can't eat it. It's awfully heavy. But if this is what you want me to do, I'll carry it for you. See, that's the promise of, of grace greater than all our sin. That's the promise if, you know, we call upon him, he shall answer. And again, when we see the needs in the world and we step out in this life in Christ and say, it's not about my inherent talent. It's not about knowing everything. It's just about my availability and God is going to give me the strength. And in this time when people are so into scarcities and fears and doubts, we want to say, how do I expand more, give more, love more? As Andre Crouch wrote the song, My Tribute, how can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved yet you gave to prove your love for me. 
The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am ever hoped to be, I owe it all to thee. Just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. If I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With his blood, he has saved me. With his blood, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Someone once said, the shortest distance between a problem and a solution is the distance between your knees and the floor. Again, it's trusting in his inherent grace and goodness to carry us every moment as we lay upon him the burdens, our doubts and fears, and trust him for that confidence, that strength, that faith. Consider Dr. William Moon, an attorney in England in the 1800s, you know, as a child, he had scarlet fever, caused him to go blind in one eye. His other eye was damaged too, and by the time he was 22, he'd lost complete eyesight. And now he's blind, but listen to what he said. Lord, I accept this talent of blindness from thee. Incredible. I accept this talent of blindness. And when others would have caved, he said, how do I use this to your glory? And he prayed, help me, God, to use this to bring glory unto thee. And Dr. William Moon then created a system where you could trace with your fingers letters so that those without sight could still read. It was a pre-runner of what we now know as Braille. Again, when your life in Christ meets the hunger in the world, things can become just beyond what any eye has seen or any mind has conceived. Paul, chapter 1 of Galatians, verse 15, gives us his understanding of life in Christ and how we can accomplish things in this world. Galatians 1.15, when it pleased God to reveal his Son in me, when it pleased God, when it revealed his son in me. That idea there is that when it was appropriate, and Paul said for him it was his birth, but when it pleased God, God has a plan. There's a timetable, a purpose that he will accomplish. And you and I are placed in this time called for a time such as this. So we can stop and say is it pleases God when it's his timetable and he's placed us here in this moment. Again, not to shrink back in fear, but step forward and say, you know what? Use me, Lord. Here I am. Send me. As Henry Spence Jones says, God has a purpose. His purpose must be worthy of himself. Think about that for a moment that, you know, whatever you're facing, what I'm facing, you know, God is not just idly standing by. He has a purpose in your life, and in my life. And that purpose must be worthy of himself. The purpose must be worthy of the price that Christ paid for your life and my life, our redemption. It's, it's true, as Antonio Machado said, no one will be remembered for what they just planned to do. There's so many people that just, you know, it's the someday idea and someday I'll do this when all things are in alignment and my ideas seem to just be, you know, perfectly in order, all that planning and so much never happens beyond just the ideas. We don't want to just be those that plan to do something. You and I can stop and say, Lord, you placed me in this time. You've got a timetable, and my life is a part of that timetable. Your purpose is going to be worthy of yourself. 
So where is it that you and I can make the difference to grow more, expand more, to give more, to love more? You know, Norman Vincent Peale, you know, he's best known probably for the book that he wrote that's impacted countless lives. You know, he lived throughout the early 1900s, but he wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, but he was also a minister, and he spent his life, you know, trying to change people to see the, the you know, blessings of every day. And he said something really changed him. He was walking through the streets in Hong Kong, came up on a tattoo studio, and in the window he saw these samples of tattoos available and then he was just really upset. He saw this one tattoo that was three words. He went inside to the tattoo artist and he said, does anybody ever get that tattoo right there? And the man said, yes. And he said, how does somebody get that tattoo right there? Those three words. And the three words were born to lose. And he waited on the tattoo artist to respond. And the tattoo artist very wisely said, listen, before that tattoo goes on your arm, that tattoo's in your mind. Norman Vincent Peale said, I want to spend the rest of my life so people know that nobody's born to lose. We're born to, to make the difference in this world. To step out and say, I know that he'll give me the strength. It's not about me and myself having the answers. He'll provide. His purpose is going to be worthy of himself. It's his timetable, and we're called for this time such as this. Consider Sister Rosemary Narumbi in Uganda. You know, she was running this orphanage, and it was a very poor part of the town. And she said she'd come outside, and there'd be hundreds, sometimes thousands of plastic bottles on the property. She said it was horrible, the, the, the littering and the trash and the filth. And so she said, you know, what can I do, God, about this? And so she started to say, what can I do with all this trash? She found a way by, by studying different people online, what they did as engineers. She started to study hard about other people that came up with a solution for these plastic bottles where they lived. And they said, if you fill them with dirt, they're stronger than a brick and you can build houses. And so she learned how to do that. And she's done that very thing. And she takes these bottles and builds these structures for orphans and children that have been rescued from kidnappers. And it's an incredible thing. And she was interviewed by a news agency about, you know, how she learned this and was so committed. And she said, listen, every time I used to see a bottle on my property, I got angry. Now I see those bottles and I say, thank you, Jesus. And I would say to us today, the spiritual lesson there, there might be some bottles that litter our life. And we can stop and say, Lord, how can I use this? How can I expand again? As St. John of the Cross in the 1500 says, in the evening of life, we will be judged on love alone. So maybe there's some bottles that need to be replaced or used for a purpose worthy of the price that Christ paid. Recognizing again, it's not in our strength, it's his strength, but it has to be in alignment with our availability when we stop and say, listen, I see the hunger in the world and where that hunger and need is taking place, I can meet it with his life in Christ. Close with an incredible example of that. You know, Liz Bohannon, she said her parents at her graduation gave her a terrible gift. After the ceremony, after the party, they sat her down and said, we're getting a divorce. 
as anybody would be. She was broken and it, there was pain, but she said it was it was about three years worth of pain. The, the family, the anger, the fighting, the embarrassing outburst in the public, all this dysfunction and toxic life. She said there was so much pain, she would just want that pain out of her emotions, so she would cut herself so that she'd feel the pain elsewhere and maybe cut her arm and say, you know, just let that pain inside just be relieved for a moment. She had this tremendous anger, especially at her dad. Some friends said, you want to go to a Good Friday service one day? And so she did. They had a passion play. At the end of the play, the ministry passed out these note cards. And he said, listen, as you leave here today, write something down on that note card you want to leave at the foot of the cross. And when you exit here today, leave that note card here, right here at the foot of this cross we used for the passion play. And she said, everybody took a card and people wrote a sentence. They wrote a word. But she said, I covered the front of that card. I covered the back of that card, just pouring out my emotions my heart all my friends got up and left I was the last one there in the sanctuary and I'll just share what she wrote next I kept writing about my anger about my shame my broken heart and about my fear that my anger and lack of forgiveness would keep me from the love of Jesus when I finished writing I started to walk out of the sanctuary when I got outside I fell to my knees at the edge of the woods and I wept I wept for the great love I heard rumblings of but thought I couldn't access because of my own anger and brokenness. A man from the Passion Play came over. He sat beside me and I said to him, how can I ever be forgiven when I know I can't forgive? He was silent. And the silence, it just confirmed what I already suspected. I couldn't be. I was too broken, too angry, and too far gone. And then punctuating the verdict of silence, I heard the two words in response to my question, and it changed me forever. You are. As I looked up and we made eye contact, he said it again. You are. You are, you are, you are. You are forgiven. You are enough. You are worthy of God's great love. Not if, not when, not someday. No conditions, no exceptions, no fine print. Not should be, not would be, not could be. Just you are. And because of who he is, you are. And I am. He's placed us in a time such as this and his purpose, it, it must be worthy of himself. And our job is to believe and say, I trust you'll give me the strength when I simply step out in faith and say, here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs>